I'm Arya Schwartz, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. Today, we're talking middle-of-the-pack teams. If you like our show, please consider joining our Patreon community. For less than a cup of coffee a month, you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the W. I'm here with Gabe Ibrahim, and we're talking middle-of-the-pack teams. Um, and ju- just as a preface, before I even let Gabe say hi to the folks, we talked about this. We know there's four middle-of-the-pack teams, Lynx, Storm, Sky, and Mercury. Um, we feel like we've talked about the Mercury a lot, and due to that, and because they're an underachieving team, if it, as it were, um, we're going to kind of skip them in this episode and mostly or fully focus on the links, the storm, and the sky. Is that okay with you, Gabe? Uh, that'd be great to me. I mean, I thought we were going to talk about Taylor Swift's new album, but <laughs> if we're not going to, this is fine. And yeah, you know, I do. It, it's just the Mercury are just wholly different from this group that I don't. I don't think there's like a benefit to talking about them with this group. Like this is this is a group that is overachieving there there's a lot of good stories they've done a lot of bad things but I, I i like that dichotomy like there's a difference between the mercury and these three teams that we're going to talk about oh yeah and i think it's simple as saying like these three teams have overachieved and the mercury have underachieved sure sure i yep. think so i mean it, it's also like less established star power um because of injuries to the links and the storm and because you know they're in chicago they're still kind of emerging superstars i mean that maybe next year it's different but very different rosters too between phoenix and these teams yeah oh very 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 different um well let's start it off because uh because i'm a host and i always give respect to minnesota we're going to start off with the, <laughs> the links um things that went well this season i mean let's just let's just talk about this season Coming into it, this team had a lot of question marks. Um, before my my vote for GM of the year, Cheryl Reeve did her wheeling and dealing. Um, this roster looked I don't I don't want to use hurtful terms, but pathetic. Um, mm-hmm. They really, really had a lot of question marks. And Reeve put her cap on, rolled up her sleeves, got to work. Odyssey Sims has blown up for this team. Yes, her shooting percentage isn't the greatest. Yes. We would all love to see her pass a few of those shots a little bit more. But she can go off any night for 20 to 30, and she's shown that throughout the season, and that's something that the Lynx need, and it's been extremely beneficial for their team. Um, I'll let you, Gabe, talk about Fee for a little bit. Uh, I mean, well, how? what more is there to say about Fee that has not already been said? Uh, she's, to me, I, I know there is this debate about her and Enrique for – the, the rookie of the year. I'm not like living under a rock or anything, but to me it's been wrapped up for a while um, that Fee is going to, she's going to win this uh, rookie of the year. Cause she just does everything for the team, you know? And I think when, when she came in, it was kind of, you know, I didn't really know. I don't really watch a lot of college basketball generally. So I, I'm not really huge on like the prospect thing, but obviously you heard about her and it was like, okay, this is a Swiss army knife. You know, you're going to bring her in and, She's kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. But just so far, she's been a master of everything. I mean, she can score. Uh, she's been one of the leading engines to this offense. Uh, she really, she's a really good passer, uh, excellent rebounder, and all as well as being, you know, 
more or less a lockdown defender. I think she still has some growing to do on that side of the ball, but she will be a lockdown defender. I have no doubt about her potential on that side. And it's just to see her come in year one and just make this huge difference. I mean, she's stepping in, you know, more or less from Maya Moore and, and doing a pretty good job of it. So I think Fee deserves a ton of credit um, and a ton of praise. And I think she definitely deserves that rookie of the year. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think it's a year-round or it's a year-long award. Right. Um, if you're talking about from the All-Star break to today, then I think it's a real debate. And I know the stats, depending on what stats you favor and this, this, and that. For me, it's just as simple as the way you put it. Like, Fee has been an all-around top player all season long from day one to day 34, whatever it is. She has just looked that good and mm-hmm. hasn't had the struggles. Yeah, she. I think she had like one game where I remember being like, all right, she had a rookie game. Let's see how she rebound, rebounds from it. Um, and kind of like her rebounding in games, she hit it back well. Um, something else that I don't think – I mean, it, it got a little bit of attention and it's kind of simmered down a little bit. Adding Lexi Brown. The, the Lynx had a plethora of issues coming into this season. One of the biggest issues – was how are they going to create points off the bench? And Lexi has done that and has done it superbly. Um, and then, you know, when they're, when Simone came back and they moved D-Rob to the bench, D-Rob did a great job of that. That has always been an element that has been so important for this Lynx team. You know they're going to play defense. You know that they're going to put up shots, not a lot of threes. I wish they'd shoot more threes. Mm-hmm. But someone like Lexi or someone who can get off the bench hit some deep balls is so important to this team to really space it out. And, and it makes the opposing team have to adjust their game plan to be reactive or not reactive, but proactive to what's right. going to come versus last year, the the whole season, it was pretty easy to say like, Oh, okay. They don't have Renee off the bench anymore. Okay. They don't really have anybody coming off the bench that can really scare us, push the ball and hurt us. Like, the second lineup would come in and kind of just be like, all right, we can mosey around. It's not a big deal. Yeah. And you can't do that anymore with the players on this bench. Um, hot take, not hot take. You had Maya Moore back to the roster and, and Rebecca Brunson next season, even with Simone in her last year. And I think you're looking at one of the most talented rosters in the league. I'm not going to say oh, yeah. the most talented, but like definitely up there. Well, and definitely the team, I think it's, it's you know, we're going to talk about how these teams stack up in the playoffs, but Definitely the team with Maya Moore on this team it, to face them in the playoffs. I don't care what seed they have during the year. I don't care, you know, if Simone wants to sit out the whole year, she can, and, and then just come in in the end of the year. But you know, if yeah, yeah, if Maya and Rebecca come back next year fully healthy and and you know have the mindset they've always had, this team is back to being top three, four team in the league. Definitely in the mix for the double bye next year. Yeah, and, and that is so important. Right. But it wasn't all great for the Lynx. You know, they they had some issues this season. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some things that went poor. Um, I'll let you start, and then I'm going to do my hot take that's going to get me some flack from the Lynx fans. Okay. Um, well, so my – I mean, mine is not a hot take. It is a cold take. It's something we've talked about all year, and it's just how much they turn the ball over. They – average 16.3 turnovers a game no one's above 15 like the the mystics who are legendarily great taking care of the ball on offense they average 11.6 turnovers a game it is maddening to watch the Lynx just give the ball away and and you know it turns out you know 
when you watch these games and you're in the fourth quarter and you're thinking, okay, the the Lynx are down by four, they're down by six, and they have such they have such great players that they can stay in the game, but they've already given away you know ten points off turnovers. It, it's infuriating the level of carelessness with the basketball because a lot of it, you know, a lot of it you're, you're going to play good defenses are going to force you into turnovers. That's understandable, and that that's happened a few times, but. Other times, they're just carelessly throwing the ball away, and then it turns into like a quicksand effect where, you know, okay, you get snatched one time, and then, you know, you're trying to move faster, and then you throw a bad pass next time, and then the next time down, you're frustrated, and then you're going to throw a lazy pass, and that one gets picked off. And I just think that has been their Achilles heel all year. It's going to be, I'm predicting out to the future, it's going to be what gets them knocked down in the playoffs is – there's going to be a late game situation and they're going to turn the ball over because that's what they've done all year. And it's just, it's weird um, because this is such a well-coached team and you can see it on the defense fan. And it's just offensively, they have people who, you know, it, like we said, Fee is a rookie still, regardless of how good of a rookie she is, she's still a rookie and she's going to turn the ball over a lot. Simone's been turning the ball over a lot. And Odyssey, that's just kind of baked into her game that she's going to turn the ball over a lot. So it just, you know, it's frustrating to see that because this is a good team and you can see them going further, but that's what's really held them back, in my opinion, this year. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It's It's been ridiculously frustrating. One of the things that kind of leads to what I was going to say, which is Sylvia Fowles. Now, the utmost respect for her. The utmost respect for her. What? The utmost respect for her. She's a Miami, yeah. a Miami native, so I will say nothing bad about her. I can't believe we're going down this road. And if Rachel was here, she'd be furious. Yeah, and she I'm I know the second this podcast goes live, I'm gonna get a text from her. Um but I it needs to be brought up. And and look, I'm just stating facts and 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 my opinion and disagree with me, agree with me, whatever it is. At the end of the day, I'm not even completely putting this on silk. I think a lot of it has to do with the inconsistency of mm-hmm. how they are refereeing her and refereeing different bigs in this league. I mean, if you look at her stat line, her stats are, are pretty similar throughout her career. Even if you look at last year or two years ago, it's, I mean, all right. Yeah. 2017, she had a ridiculously good season. Let's not forget that, but there has been that drop. And I think the biggest issue in all honesty has been a two pronged attack of these players have not been playing with her long enough besides Simone. When Simone got back in there, we saw a much more Chris Pass go into Sill. But the like it really awakens you to not only how good the Minnesota Lynx were, but how good the team was at the chemistry of knowing I need to feed the ball to Sill on her this shoulder, this many inches off from her hand, and I know she has the reach and this, this, and that. That has been a given. And this year, even last year, it was much more of a given. But this year, we have, I mean, her points per game are down big time. Her points per game the last two years were 18 and 17. She's at 13. All right. Rebounds per game. She's down three rebounds a game. All all these are starting to add up. And to me, point at one thing, which is the the lack of of, of flow that this team really has. Um, And I don't mean that in like, oh, it can't get there, blah, blah, blah. Because you definitely see sparks of it. But you haven't seen the consistency of... This is where, like, we know how to get the ball to Sill. We've seen some good games from her that have kind of fluffed some of these stats. But for the most part, I just haven't seen 
the ability to get Sill in the position that makes her her best. Right, and I think on the offensive end, you know, you you do point out a big thing is those uh, those entry passes just aren't as crisp, and it goes back to the turnover things. They get a lot of turnovers off those entry passes, and you know, part of that is obviously on the guard or whoever's making that pass from the top of the key into Sill, and that's also on Sill having to come back out and get the ball. And you know, you can also kind of see though, like it is age. This is kind of it, it, when you get older obviously you're going to get slower. And I, I think we're seeing that and she's a little bit less active um, offensively and defensively. The numbers show that she's a little less active. This is the uh, third lowest blocks per game she's ever had in the season. Lowest tied for lowest steals. Um, and she just not the same um, sort of active presence out there. Uh, but however, I think a one thing that you need that you did touch on needs to be uh, elaborated on is that, you know, this is the worst year in terms, the second worst year she's ever had in terms of field goal attempts per game since her rookie year. And that to me is so huge in uh, their officiating her this year. That's what's really been kind of, we could see the age related decline, right? But the, the sort of bigger decline that you're talking about, I think why you're bringing her up here in the negative is in large part due to the way they're officiating her and the fact that she's not getting enough calls, the fact that she's not getting to the line as a player of her stature really should and the player, the type of player she is as well, that person should be getting to the line a lot more. And I think it also affects those those uh, those inlet passes or, the, yeah, those into the post passes that she's getting mauled by the defender so she can't get into good position and then the clock starts raining down and then, you know, you have all these people who kind of turn the ball over a lot coming into her. So I, I think officiating is playing a really big role in that sort of extra step we see past her age-related decline that we would expect. Oh, yeah, and, and let's talk about free throws for a moment here. There's only three comparable seasons for – you're talking about free throw attempts for, for Sylvia Fowles and – in comparison to this year, first year, 2018, all right, she played 17 games. So that's half a yeah. season. Next time that's comparable, 2014, she plays 20 games. That's essentially half a season. And then 2015, she's playing 18 games. That's essentially half a season. So we're literally seeing her get the calls equivalent to a half of a season. And that, when you look at that, that's just mind-blowing oh, yeah. to me. No, it's it's... It's infuriating, and I'm sure it's infuriating for Sylvia. Uh, I mean, she doesn't seem to be someone who gets really mad about a lot of stuff, unlike Liz and you know Brittany, who are going to tell you about it. Um, but she's definitely getting she's definitely getting hit down there a lot, and I think it's it, it's playing a huge role in that sort of decline that we're seeing from her. So hopefully, you know, hopefully refereeing is better next year, and she will. Or hopefully she takes like some boxing classes. Or I mean, she's apparently allowed to do whatever she wants. So if she would like to just beat down on people, I am so here for it. Still, I would love to see it. But until then, because I do think like on offense, they call they weirdly call like more of those fouls, um, other than on Liz who puts her elbow out on every single layup. Um, But she does have to figure out a way to this season at least figure out a way to get into better positioning and get be more active despite getting mauled. Yeah, uh, and and you got to find a way. As crappy, as shitty, whatever it is, you have to mm-hmm. find a way because otherwise we're just making up excuses and we're just blaming we're saying playing the same note for for a long time. Let's talk about 
the Seattle Storm. All right. What went well for them? I mean, the obvious is they have they have handled the adversity amazingly well. Um, you know, Jewel Lloyd has not even had one of her most amazing seasons, and yet this team is still in in position to have a deep playoff run if they play their cards right. Natasha Howard has just exploded. Mercedes Russell, my vote for most improved player of the year, um, has in to some degree obviously things have shifted around, but essentially she's filling the shoes of Brianna Stewart, the defending MVP of like everything in 2018. So for me, this team has already made a huge accomplishment. Now they will be the first to jump on me and say, Hey, we're going for a repeat and we're the champs until someone beats us. Um, What have you seen positive, like positive for the long term or positive for the short term from this team this year? Uh, I think for both long-term, short-term, their playoff goals and and going forward, I think the biggest thing this year was really solidifying that defensive um, mentality. I I think this year they they proved that they're one of those teams, right? They're one of those teams with the links. Uh, You put the aces this year have also been really good defensively, but they're creating a defensive identity that's going to go on for a long time. And you see this across sports every major dynasty every team that has staying power in the sport is good on defense and so for me the biggest thing was watching seattle become one of those teams that that has that defensive mentality and that defensive intensity every single game so long term i think their outlook's really good because of this year doing that and getting a lot of people uh, up to the level of championship defense um their defensive rating is tied for third, which is something we should have brought up with the Lynx because the Lynx are also really good defensively. They've established that for years, though. And I think Seattle this year really, really put it down and said, we are going to be great defensively. They turn they turn teams over so much. And like, it, it's in a way that's different from the Lynx, who also turn teams over a bunch, that they're kind of just like gunning for it. They're like one of those defenses that is just going for all the steals. They're gonna. They know that they can kind of come back and. Re- They're jumping passes left and right because they have yeah. the confidence that if they miss it, somebody's there to back them right. up. Right, exactly. And I think you know you see Jordan Canada's like picking people up from you know three quarters court just in like the second quarter to throw them off, and you know they're obviously a great coach team. It's really encouraging to see them you know develop that. We are defense. Our our defense is going to take us wherever we need to go any year. Whoever's here, we're going to be good on defense. So to me, that was the biggest thing for them this year. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. We've got the same list there. Things that went poorly <laughs> for this team, though, scoring. Um, this team oh has just struggled sometimes, which is mind-blowing to say when you talk about who's on this roster. Natasha Howard, Sammy Wickham, uh, Alicia Clark can score. Kato Mosquito-Lewis can score. Um, all these people on this roster have the ability, even Courtney Paris can score. Everybody can score, but yeah, oh, yeah, they have truly struggled to find consistency in scoring the basket. And yeah, it's weird. It is weird. We're saying, I mean, we can also, again, point to them because they are just one spot above the links in terms of turnovers per game. Um, they, they have 15.9 turnovers per game. This year, so and we could just say, "Hey, look, that's another that's another indicator as to what is holding your offense back." But they also just they're not a great shooting team, and you know, I think it's not that they can't score because, like you said, all of those players are good scorers. It's that 
you don't have the one person to initiate and run through the offense. Natasha Howard has been fantastic all year, but she has a huge defensive burden too. And to put it all on her offensively is going to take away from her defense. And that's just something that the, the storm can't handle. And plus, I don't think she really loves, she's not really her best when she's just like getting the ball on the post up and initiating the offense. Jewel is Jewel is that type of player to initiate an offense, but she kind of, she had that injury, the ankle injury earlier in the year. And it kind of just like took a lot of wind out of the sails. And I, I, think she's personally I think she's like still struggling with that ankle injury it's kind of been what's been changed in the last month as to why they're playing worse offensively so they just don't have the person to initiate the offense it'd be really great if they had like I don't know Sue Bird that'd be fantastic or Brianna Stewart who's that (laughs) right so if they had either of those two players who are on the freaking roster then it would be much different but you know I think it still is disappointing in that they just sometimes like they can't get a bucket and, and you're just sitting there and you're thinking through your head. You're like, how is, is this team so just like flummoxed offensively? They just can't score at all. No matter who they, no matter who they run through, no matter who they play, no matter how many only open shots they have in that little span, you're saying they just can't score. And so I, that is, that's my most disappointing thing for them this year. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's 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 been mind blowing. But so I gotta throw this out there, and I want your take, and then I'll tell you mine. Sue Bird, Brandon Stewart, they don't get injured. How do you how do you think the the battle between Seattle and Washington is going this year? Man, it it would have been well because we went to the game. We were at the game the other night when they played Seattle and Washington. That was still like a huge game feel. Um, and it's because Seattle is just like not giving up. They are refusing to, to give in this year, which is really encouraging to see. But um, I got to say, I would still probably favor the Storm. I don't know, man, because the, the Mystics are way better than they were last year. And they have Emma. But the Storm have Jordan Canada, who's really, really improved this year. That's another thing that's really gone well for them is Jordan Canada emerging as sort of a, a backup to Sue Bird next year and the heir apparent to Sue Bird going forward. Um, and she's really had that breakout year. And I think also Alicia Clark has been great this year and both those players got much better. So yeah, I'm, I'm, if I had to pick between a Seattle team with Stewie and Bird healthy versus this Mystics team fully healthy, I think I got to go Storm, right? Yeah, no, I, I thought I was going to have the hot take saying Storm would beat them. And it wouldn't be close. I, I like, and, and I'll say this. I'll put it this way. You take the Storm team from last year against the Mystics team this year. Hell, this is the hottest take you're going to hear of the day. They still sweep. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm rolling my eyes. This is, a, this is a non-visual medium, but I'm rolling my eyes. RAA has had this thing with the Mystics. And we're not going to talk about it uh, anymore. But they're good, man. No, and I'm look, I'm coming around to them. The past few games, I've really come around to them. I just think, and I, I, I say this, and I don't mean this as a knock to the Mystics. I truly don't. I just feel that they happen to be in a situation that, you know, there's been all these injuries across the league. They Fair. have, yeah, okay, Chrissy Tolliver's gotten hurt. Don't talk to me about that. Um, for me, the Mystics have been amazing, but it's also about timing. And yes, we always know like timing's very important. You know, this player is growing, whatever. Timing's important. We get that. In any relationship, timing's important. 
As far as a championship relationship, I just think all the cards have kind of lined up for the Mystics that if they can stay healthy, one of the only teams that have stayed healthy all year, this is their ship to lose. Um, and do I personally just believe if there wasn't all these injuries, you wouldn't be in the same situation? Fine. I accept. I disagree. <laughs> but back to the storm. Back yeah. to the storm, who we're actually talking about here. I do agree, though, that this team with Stewie, with Bird, healthy, ready to go, been playing together for the entire season. Yeah, I still think that is the best team in the league, if that's where you're, that's what we're getting at. And I, I think they are definitely the best team in the league with those two. Um, oh, we've we've seen we've seen the depth of this roster, yeah. and it's 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 scary. Yeah, no, it really is. It really is, and especially especially with Canada, because I didn't I don't uh, I didn't really think like you know coming into the year, oh Jordan Canada is going to step in for Sue Bird, and it's going to be fine. But like Jordan Canada has kind of stepped in for Sue Bird, and it's kind of been fine. So uh, I think. I think uh, they've really uh, developed some depth, and the next year they're just going to be terrifying, assuming everyone's back. Yeah, I mean, and, and look, I, uh, my assumption from what I've heard, it doesn't sound like Sue's coming back. It sounds like, you know what, let's let's close up shop for the oh, year. Yeah. Granted, you know, we can bring her on uh, and have her, you know, be on the sidelines and whatnot and be in practice. I know she's, she's doing her rehab, and, and I think it was Sue or somebody else said the famous line of, like, when, like rehabbing's worse or like being injured's worse because you're working more than during the season because mm-hmm. every day is, you know, rehab this, rehab that, exercise this, am I back, blah, blah, blah. Um, to have her back, I mean, I, I don't want to look forward too much because this Seattle Storm team is a team that, like, I just can't bet against. And they have scorned me many times and pick them with Rachel where I'm like, yeah, but, like, you can't bet against the Storm because, like, any day they'll just like go off for 95 points and just destroy somebody with like 15 like steals or something like that. Um, I just don't want to bet against this team. This team moves fast. They're super athletic. Um, they're a really scary team that like, yeah. I we're, we're going to get into like some, some predictions later. So I, we're not going to crush that too much. Should we, should you, you ready to move on to the sky? One thing on the storm, yeah. what you just said is a huge win for them this year, considering all they've gone through. That that what we just said that they are a scary team that we don't want to play the storm. That they have now created that identity going forward. That is huge for them. That is huge for the storm, and you know that they deserve a lot of plaudits and credit for that. We talk about what went wrong with them, but honestly, who cares? We know what went wrong with them. They had injuries. Done. Yeah, no, exactly. Look, the shooting of re- like their ability to score has been an issue and injuries. Like yeah. other than that, like they have exceeded every expectation. Like we right. can't be upset at them. Right, right, right. We just can't. All right, let's move on to the Chicago Sky. Bring it back to the Midwest. Um, this team, I mean, look, I'll, I'll be real. I saw an interview with uh, the owner of the Chicago Sky and uh, Michael Alter. He said something. It was. You know, it was either right before they fired Amber Stocks or right after they hired Wade, where or right in the in-between. Uh, so one of those three, I guess. Um, <laughs> but he said something that at the time I was like, dude, you're crazy. Do you know what's going on right now in the league? But what he said was essentially this team should be in the playoffs. And next year, he's like, and if not this year, but then the following year, we should be competing for a championship. Well, he was correct. <laughs> Yeah, and and I stood there at the time and I said, okay, yeah, you, I, I'm a fan of James Wade, 
I, I personally thought they got rid of Amber Stocks too early. But I'm a fan of James Wade, and I think to a certain degree, he's kind of picked up where Amber t- left off. And that was definitely a good thing for him because Amber started to – I'm not going to talk about culture with Amber, but I will talk about the makeup of the roster and kind of this forward-thinking team as far as the roster and analytics and all of that jazz. And James was able to come into – you know, a building that was already the the groundwork was laid versus Amber came in and literally had to gut the whole ground and yeah. lay the concrete. Um, coming into this, James Wade like hit the ground running. He was focused. He was determined. He spoke his mind. Quigley and Vandersloot are amazing. We are going to showcase them more and get them more eyes. Diamond is a freak of nature and is too good for anybody not to be double teaming mm-hmm. her all the time. Um, and then he made a ridiculously well-planned and smart move Dude. of getting Jantel Lavender. Get her, you know, add some more paint presence. And we're going to talk about paint presence. But talk to me just about the athleticism and, and the fast-paced Chicago sky. Well, I, I think what you were saying about, you know, that sort of laying the groundwork. And then I like to call them, there's the point A to point B coaches, which is probably what, they, what the sky saw Coach Stocks as was a point A to point B, and now this point B to point C is Wade's time to take them from a team that is ready to get into the playoffs to a team that's ready to win a championship. And I think they have that on the way, and that's exactly what you were saying, that, that athleticism, that pace. They, they play with uh, the second-best pace in the league behind Washington, uh, and that's, gonna, that's a theme for them. They are the second-best offensive team in the league behind Washington. Uh, so, But for the Sky, you know, they have – I said before the season that them drafting um, Samuelson in the draft, I think – what pick was she? Uh, she was like, like – Yeah, like she, she – it was higher than what she was projected and it was like, why are they doing this? They need someone who can play defense. And that just kind of signals to me like, okay, they are going to run as fast as they can and try and make as many buckets as they can and that's how they're going to play defense. And it worked out. They just run teams off the court. You're so tired from playing them that they really, you know, they can get they can get some easy buckets in transition. They can pull up some threes in transition. They have Courtney Vandersloot, who is a whiz. Sorry, correction, correction. I was way off. Chicago had the number four pick. So. Okay, they had the number four pick. Yeah, they did. Of course, yeah, they did. I, right, right. I, I, I'm, I'm going to go into this when you're done. Don't okay. Um, but so they they really embrace that athleticism and, and just let it go. I think Wade was a perfect guy for that. He was the guy who's just going to, we're going to instill chemistry in this group. And then adding Jantel was incredible because she can really run the floor with them. Steph Dolson has done a really good job running the floor, um, which is, I, I didn't think she would be that great in that system, but she's proven me wrong completely that she can really get down the floor. I think there's some other fit questions with her, but really great in transition. And they really just, you know, love to play with each other. And I, I guess that makes sense because, you know, Courtney and Allie, they spend all their time together off the court anyways. Um, they built that chemistry and then it kind of has like radiated out to where, you know, Diamond loves to hang out with the team. They all seem to love each other. There's so many posts on social media of them just like getting along. And that's huge. That's what takes you from being a team that can make the playoffs to a team that will make the playoffs. And to me, they, they've really uh, done this do that sort of chemistry route because they, they did have all the pieces like you were saying and they just kind of let it go. They didn't overthink this. They didn't try to instill some sort of grand plan. No, the plan was run, hit threes, play together. And those three goals were all accomplished this year. 
Yeah, uh, but uh, this is the thing that I just can't get over. The I, I love everything they've done. Honestly, things that went poorly this year, I think we have to talk about Katie Lou in that. Yeah. In that, you know, and obviously the Lavender injury. Lavender's on both ends of it. Um, defense has been an issue. Point presence, pain presence, fine, cool. Katie Lou gets drafted number four, and I remember saying that everyone's all hyped, and I'm sitting there texting, you know, the WNBA minds that I text with, and I'm like, what? What just happened? Right. Why? And and more so because it's like they basically said like, oh. We have some of the best wings in the league. Oh, cool. We're going to push more on that. Oh, oh, we have a bunch of this position already on lock. Well, let's get another, like, a top four draft pick to play that position who's going to have to, like, seriously fight for minutes. That's a smart move. I mean, let's just look at it. They could have had Nafisa, Kalani Brown, yeah. Elena Smith, Arike. They could have had Arike. Think uh, about Arike mm-hmm. coming off the bench. I don't li- – actually, I, I think Arike doesn't fit in that system. I mean, you don't draft for system – that's a thing. Most people will tell you don't draft for system. But Rika doesn't really fit that that mold to me. She's more of like a I'm gonna ISO at top of the key for like five seconds and then hit a shot in your face, which is great. But that's not you know that's not the DNA of this team. So it I think you're right. Lot. You're right. Look, they should have taken the Fisa Collier. Hindsight being 2020. Well, hindsight being 2020. Everyone should have taken the Fisa Collier. She should have been the number number one pick in this draft. She's an all-star this year. Um, but I think the pick of Katie Lou was just we're, – we're committing to that identity. So I do agree, obviously, the pick didn't work out as well yet. It, it still probably will, I think, with Katie, will, Katie Lou. I mean, she just has to – I think she has to add a little bit more muscle, get better on defense, and then she can really play in the system as the four. Um, but – she she didn't work out, but it was a signal to me that they are going with this identity, and that's the exact identity they need to win a championship with this group. Hey, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm definitely with you on that. I I just like I love going back and I and we always talk about like oh redo this draft, redo this draft. I will say like at the end of the day, yeah, you put you gotta give them like three to five seasons before we even start talking mm-hmm. about bust or anything like that. So let's give them some time. We're not rushing to that. Right. We do. I do want to point out, though. I just, mm-hmm. just like the Lynx had an amazing draft. Uh, they got Jessica Shepard in the second round at sixteen. You know, fourth pick in the second round, they're getting someone who was going to contribute to their team until she got hurt. Um, so that just wanted to give another point to the Lynx retroactively. Look, they did some amazing stuff, and this isn't even like my bias coming out. This is just me being like, I thought this was going to be a crap like. All right, yo, let's let's focus on on twenty twenty. Yeah, a gap year, you know, take the year off. They really did their homework. They did an amazing job, and they really impressed some teams. I mean, look, we can talk about we can talk about injuries affecting Seattle. We can talk about injuries affecting this team and this team. Minnesota has to be up there. Um, all obviously, also Phoenix Mercury needs to be up there. That they have just hit a a crap storm of you know of disciplinary actions that causes players not to be playing or injuries that causes players not to be playing or a combination of both. If you're Diana Taurasi, um, mm-hmm. but <laughs> Minnesota just really, I, they, they shocked me. Um, I mean, like I'd say the two most shocking teams this season have to be the Lynx and the storm. Do you agree? Yes, I would agree. Yeah, no, I think that's I think it's fairly obvious because you know before the season we were talking about the Storm not making the playoffs and the Lynx you know taking that gap year 
like we were, like we just said. So yeah, they are really overachieving, but it's not so much shocking. Like looking back on it, I think we're just too reactionary to those to those that news and that injury and are so fresh. It, it's not that shocking though because you know these teams are programs. This isn't this isn't a a, a year for the Lynx. This is a dynasty. You know that we're talking. We're gonna start measuring the Lynx's success in terms of decades, not years. So to me, the Lynx coming it makes total sense looking back. And same with the Storm. Now that we kind of see like this is more than just that one year's team. This is a franchise. This is something that's going to be going forward. Um, so yeah, I'd say those those two are the most uh, surprising. The sky the sky also is surprised a lot of people because uh, you know I think a lot of people said, hey, that defense is going to be terrible again. And, you know, they have not been terrible. Hang the banners. They have not been terrible. They're the ninth best defense in the league by defensive rating, which is good enough. It works. Yeah. Hey, I mean, like, if it's a wheel and it rolls, then roll that wheel. Oh, it worked. It worked. But, yes, so of these three teams, the, the most shocking, considering our preseason expectations, their results so far is that is the Storm. I, I think the Storm are really the ones that came out and shocked us because the Lynx – we should have known that Cheryl Reeve is not going to have a bad team. Yeah. And also, I think, like, look, I think with the store, many people, you see those two injuries, and you just go, okay, so, hmm, any way they make the playoffs, or is this going to be one of those things, kind of what happened to Phoenix um, a few years back when they got these injuries, and then, or some injuries, some suspensions, whatever it was, um, and they're able to get a top pick to get Brittany Griner and, like, various other people who are, top talent. So like I was sitting there going, are we about to have deja vu? Is Seattle about to go from winning a championship, have some injuries mm-hmm. and then drop to a not playoff team, get a really good top draft pick. And then next year's come out and rip it. Um, but, but they basically, and I, I got to give props to the team. Obviously no competitor is going to sit there and go, yeah, I'm going to toss this season. It's, it's a, it's a gap year or whatever, but like they really took that to heart and said, no, 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 no. We're like, we are the champions and we're running this back. And, and they, they really played like that, too. That, that was the fun part is that they played like a team who is like, we're not, we are not settling for anything. We're getting every single win we can, and we're going to try to run it back. So I, it, it is super impressive. Um, and just developing that culture was a, was a little surprising to me. And, you know, again, that's going to be something going forward that we're probably going to be saying about this team year in, year out, that they are just not, they're not going to give up. They don't care. I like it. Let's talk about the current standings. Um, okay. We can talk about playoff picture, all that jazz. I think, you know, uh, Washington and, and Connecticut have kind of, you, you got the one team that has the best road record and then the one team that has the best home record. Um, and things can still move around. You know, DC is basically essentially locked down that, that home spot in my mind, um, at least the top two seed in my mind. Connecticut's kind of iffy. Um, but with Vegas dropping a bunch recently, I don't know how it's going to happen. But just based off the current standings, we would have Minnesota versus Seattle and Chicago versus Phoenix in our first one-and-done round. Um, and, and those are two great games and tough games, but we're going to put ourselves on the spotlight, and we're going to have to say, all right, if that's what happens today, who are you picking? Uh, let's start with Chicago and Phoenix. <sighs> That's the one I least wanted to answer. Like, give me a percentage of how good Diana Taurasi is feeling in that game. 
Um, I'll say it's Diana. So she's feeling 50 to 60, but her it's Diana. So she feels like 60 to 80. Right. She has the con- she has a confidence of someone. Who's yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. She always has a confidence. Um, oh man. I think I'm going to go. All right. If I have to pick right now, I'm going Scott because the sky are the better team. They are the team that, um, obviously through this, through the standings, they are the better team, but also I test and you watch teams play against each other. I think BG's not a great matchup here. She's not, um, you know, she's not going to be able to run with this team defensively. <coughs> I think Steph Dolson is a, uh, she's actually like a decent matchup for BG. She has a lot of, she has a lot of size. She has a lot of, um, of, uh, she, she can bully down there. You know, she can play a little bit of bully ball with, uh, with BG. She's not going to back down. Um, I really wish they had Lavender in that matchup, but yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm solidifying this. The sky would win that game because, uh, I don't think Phoenix can stay with them defensively. I don't think Phoenix can stay with them defensively. Of course that changes though, if DT is healthy. So asterisks on my pick, but I'll pick the Honestly, sky. Essence, Car- Essence Carson's health is also a big question mark that, that has not gotten enough attention. Her role on this Mercury team. It's huge. No, it's huge. And that and that was something I was talking about in the power rankings last week. Um, that their bench has just kind of been non-existent. And, and Essence has been hurt, obviously. But their bench has kind of just not been good. They just haven't produced, and, and they should. And they need that. They they can't put the pressure on you for uh, forty minutes like we were talking that the Lynx can do and the, the the Mystics can do. They can put pressure on you for forty straight minutes, and the Mercury yeah. cannot. So how are you? It, it matters less in a one game sort of deal. And and DT is the best in the world at these do or die situations. But if she is not, if she's at the health she is now. I think you got to go with the sky. Uh, honestly, call me an old head. Call me whatever. I just, I'm net. <laughs> I have learned my lesson. I've lost too much money. I never put my money against the Mercury in a one or done as long as Griner and DT are still wearing that orange and purple. Uh, so I, I got to go Mercury. I completely agree with everything you said. It's not even like I disagree with you. It's purely, I do not have confidence for me, it boils down to a few things when you get to the playoffs. How much uh, winning history do the vets have in the playoffs? And then mm-hmm. the youngsters, like the the year one, the year twoers, the sophomores and the freshmen, what was their prestige as far as winning in college? And Because yeah. that's the only way I can think about it. And honestly, looking at the Sky team, I worry when it comes to the playoffs if this team has that ability. Yes, a, a, a portion of this team went with Delhi and Sill to the finals and have that experience right. of winning. I'm not, I'm not ignoring that. I'm not saying they've never won in the playoffs. It's just the consistency um, of Chicago in the playoffs has not been there for me to say, yeah, I, I really like what they're doing. So I, I begrudgingly um, and probably will lose all my money again because the Phoenix just doesn't like when I bet on them. As, as I bet them <laughs> to win the championship this year and Bonner to be MVP – but look where that's going. Um, all right, whatever. Let's move on. <laughs> Seattle versus Minnesota. Um, yes. I, I, I'll, I'll give my my take with an asterisk of 
I don't think this is a good matchup for Minnesota. I think okay. just like we talked about, and, and, and this is something that, sorry, I wanted to preface this whole discussion with, which is one of these, like, I agree with you. Sky is the better team, but it's so much about matchups. And yes, I even think the Sky mm-hmm. have the better matchups, but like these playoffs more than any other year, it's not going to be about regular season record. It's not going to be about who's the better team. It's going to be about the matchups because these teams are so tight in the playoff race. We're talking about just today. I mean, there's two, three games left in the season. You could see a huge shift of this where none of these teams could possibly play each other. That's still a possibility. Um, but I do want to say that. Like, I just don't see the Lynx store matchup being a good one. And I'll point to one thing specifically that we spoke about, which was Minnesota being kind of lackluster on their passes and Seattle being given that green light of, or all right, green light works. And I was going to say yellow light, uh, getting that <laughs> green light to jump all the passes and have that confidence. I mean, it's a, it's a recipe for 20 to 25 turnovers for Minnesota. Oh, this is going to be a complete rock fight and I'm so excited for it. It's just going to be it turnover. It's going to be a whole like Benny Hill thing, probably in the middle of it. So it's going to be a, a complete and utter, uh, ineptitude on offense, I think. But that to me is always a fun game. I love any sport, any sporting event that is just defensive focus is a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, like you're saying, I think the storm are going to have a field day with those really bad in, out, uh, inbound passes and the laziness that you sometimes see in the Lynx offense. I think the Lynx are going to have a field day picking off the storm because they also like to throw lazy passes. They also uh, kind of lose focus offensively. Um, so if I had to pick who's going to win this low scoring game, in which is probably going to need to be a last shot taken. You know, who who has that person? And I will believe in Simone Augustus. Uh, she has not played well this year. Simone has not been good this year. Uh, she's been obviously injured for most of it, but even when she's been back. She had one good game. She had one good game. And she's getting back. But who do I trust the most in that final possession? Is it Jewel Lloyd with this ankle thing happening? Or is it Simone nope. Augustus? with, you know, kind of getting back into the rhythm where she is healthy. She's just getting back into the rhythm of playing. Uh, I'd probably go with Simone Augustus. And because of that, I will go with the Lynx. And, oh, man, I really hate betting. I'm, I'm so with you because I really, really now saying it out loud. I hate betting against the Storm and the Mercury. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going Sky and Lynx moving on to the next round. Hot take, Gabe. Um, and and out of those four teams, talk to me real quick uh, before we sign off for the day. Out of those four teams, it, it can be the Mercury or Seattle, even though you picked them to lose. Which of these four teams do you think has the best chance to get out of the do-or-die uh, games? To get out of the do-or-die? Um, let's see. I would say probably the Sky, again, just based on talent. Uh, I agree with you that playoff experience is really, really important, but... The teams you're going to play in the next round, um, I think the sky just kind of match up a little bit better because you know those teams can those teams can store can store uh, can score a little bit better. So it's not going to be so much of a rock fight for Minnesota or Seattle to win. I just don't believe in Phoenix this year. Unfortunately, they're going to prove me wrong, like you said. But mm-hmm. uh, the sky have that sort of high end potential that they can just one night. They can say we're going to score 100. We're going to score 105 points. We're going to score 110 points. And then what do you do? You know, I, I just don't see how a team could match 
their highest output. So I would say out of these teams, the team most likely to get to the semifinal is the Sky. I hear that. I hear that. Uh, I'm torn between Seattle and the Mercury, to be honest. Um, looking at both those teams, for me, uh, Sky, I'm just like, yeah, I could see them do that for one game. I don't have the confidence for them to do that for two. Minnesota, honestly, the same thing. Where I could see them winning one, I don't have high confidence in them winning two. Um, and then, I, look, I'm not going to say that Phoenix and Seattle have so much of my confidence, but I will say is thinking this through, oh, man, this is tough. But I'm, I'm going to go with the Storm. They just have a swagger this year that huh. no matter what comes to them, they are ready to take it on head first. Um, and and I got I got so, I I don't know why, but I just have confidence in that team. I no idea why. It does not make sense. I totally get hot it. take Aria. Yeah, I, hey, I guess I don't know. Well, uh, real quick before we log off, I know most of our listeners have probably tuned off after the second minute, but if you're still listening, we just want to give the W a little bit of crap. Stop putting a ton of games. For like the last games oh of the God. season or the first playoff games or whatever it is stop coinciding WNBA big day games with the first games of the NFL season. That's just not smart. There, no matter what you say to me, you're not going to convince me that that is a smart business move. So I'm throwing some shade. Get out in the sun. Move those games to Monday. Flex them. I don't even know what the term is. Just move them. Or put them on different days. Literally, just don't have them all at the same time and the same days. We have open days in the schedule. How is that possible? We have like eight games at once. There's not there's not that many teams in the league. It's it's really so, frustrating as somebody who covers the national beat to be mm-hmm. at the DC games, and then by the time I get home, I've already missed two or three of the games. It's just really frustrating. Rant, and it, rant over. Yeah, well, whatever. All right, well, we believe the players of the W and its community deserve the same in-depth analysis and respect that men's sports receive on a daily basis. Please consider joining our Patreon community to help support us and the hard work that we do. This has been the Windsider Show. <laughs>